Hi, I'm David Murray from davidallenmurray.com. Today, I'm speaking with Mike Kettle. Mike is the head of housing development at the City of London and is responsible for delivering an ambitious programme of affordable housing for the city. He talks about his experience of speaking at committees, his strategy for dealing with challenging questions, and tells us that if we don't know the answer to something, it is okay to say, I don't know. He shares his insights into the importance of being able to communicate your ideas in the workplace, how good communication is critical for project success, and shares his top tips for delivering effective presentations. And finally, if you listen carefully, you will hear how he uses the fairy tale, the elves and the shoemaker, to really good effect. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. This helps the podcast reach others who might find it useful. Thanks a lot for listening. Hey there, you're listening to the David Murray Public Speaking Podcast. To find out more, you can visit me at davidallenmurray.com. Hello, welcome to the show. Today, my very special guest is the Head of Housing Development based in the heart of London. He's a football fan, he's a public speaker, he speaks at committees, he's an all-round good guy. It's Mike Kettle. Hello, David. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Michael. How are you today? I'm great. Yes, so you want me to speak about public speaking today and my work for the City of London and dealing with committees? I do. Yes, thank you very much. I'm particularly interested because I know you've got a lot of experience at speaking at committees, so that means that you're going to be front and centre dealing with uh, reports, dealing with questions and answers to some very important people based on where you work. And I'd just like to know about how you deal with that, how you prepare with that, and what you've learnt that you could perhaps share with us who are interested in doing public speaking. Is that okay? That's perfectly fine. Right, so let's get straight into it, Mike. So first of all, maybe you can tell us, Michael, what is it you do? I'm Head of Housing Development for the City of London, and we have an ambitious programme to deliver a lot of affordable housing units in or near the city uh, because of the pressing housing need within the country at the moment. So how did you find yourself doing that then? I've worked for the City of London for several years and I've done several jobs but this is a job which I am very passionate about. I love it and it is a job which is meaningful and it is something that it needs to be done. Okay so if I can go back a little bit then, how did you get to where you are now? Is it, was it an ambition of yours for a number of years or has somehow your role or your work with the City of London involved, it rather evolved to the point where you've got to where you are today or is it a bit of both? It's probably a bit of both. It has evolved. As I said, I've done a variety of things in the city. The housing development now is my passion and I like delivering houses for the city. Oh, so... That sounds very exciting. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, the type of housing development that you're involved in? At the moment, we have plans to deliver 700 units over the next eight years. Wow. We have got uh, immediate plans to deliver 280 units within the next five years. That sounds like an ambitious project or programme. It is ambitious, but it is realistic because we have, the city is cash rich 
Butland Pool. Okay. So we do have a lot of uh, housing gain money, affordable housing money. Yeah. We have right to buy receipts. We also have a grant from the GLA yeah. so to deliver that project. I secured a grant of 14.6 million from the GLA last okay. year. For those that aren't familiar with terms like the City of yeah. London or the GLA, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about why the City of London is cash rich but land poor. Where is it based and, and why is that? The City of London is literally the square mile within the heart of London. Um, it has a strange housing stock in the sense that it has 11 housing estates in seven boroughs. Um, to develop housing within the city is problematical, so it, yeah. it is land poor. It is cash rich because it has a lot of planning gain money from developers yeah. who build within the city. And so we do have the money, but we don't have the land. Okay. And what, uh, just, just, just very sort of briefly for people to understand, you talked about the GLA. What's that and how does that influence the what you G do? The GLA is the Greater London Authority who, uh, who look after London. Yeah. And the, it's run by an elected mayor yeah. who is Sadiq Khan at the oh, moment. Oh, Sadiq Khan. So yeah. people will be familiar with Sadiq and, Khan. Uh, he has a housing programme to yeah. encourage local authorities to build housing, which is yeah. the first time for years. Yeah. So successive governments, both Labour and Conservative, mm. uh, actually formed the housing development out to housing associations, yeah. not local authorities. Yeah. And he has granted grants, which we apply for. Okay. Projects which you've got planning oh, right. permission. So it goes right to the top of the London government, I guess. That's yes, what it you does. Do. The reason why I really wanted to talk to you today, because I know I've seen you speak at committees, I've seen you speak recently in terms of a presentation um, skills that you're doing as well, because you always seem to be looking to kind of enhance that. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about um, how you get your idea for a project and get it, shall we say, approved at a committee? What do you have to do to make that happen? Okay, well, first of all, initially, I have to get approval from senior officers within the City of London. Um, a project won't uh, pass mustard unless it's got the support of the financial director, the city surveyor, and the lawyers. So you need to run it by uh, an internal committee of yep. chief officers. Okay. When that project is given the approval, I will then take it to committee, yep. and I will then process a report, which will be a... Uh, outline appraisals report to yeah. say this is what we're proposing to do and can we have some fees to take the project further yeah feasibility fees because yeah. every project you need consultants on board yeah do right to light surveys wow, wow. Pl planning issues if there's any legal uh, issues with the site so all that needs to be done before we can actually take it forward and is that is that your role to kind of pull all that together it's my role to coordinate it project manager wow and then we Take a, I take a report to committee. Okay. I will then anticipate what questions will be asked. What does a committee look like? Is it lots of people? What sort of seniority are we looking at in terms of what the pressure might be in terms of having to attend there and you know support the projects that you're doing? There, there are several committees which I, I need support of. I need support of the housing committee. Yeah. I need support of the project subcommittee. Yeah. And depending on the finance of the project, maybe to support the finance committee. Yeah. The committee membership consists of we call common councillors, yeah. who are the elected councillors of the City of London. Yeah. There are 125 councillors in the City of London, yeah. 100 common councillors and yeah. 25 aldermen. 
Uh-huh. And so they sit on the committee and they oh, have voting wow. voting rights. And what, what, so what, how many people are we talking that you attend a committee on average? Uh, on, on average, you would have about 20 members. 20 members. You would have uh, officers yeah. uh, from all the major departments yeah. and you'd have members of the public. How many commi- committees have you attended over the years? To be honest, David, I've lost count. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the past, past year, I probably have com- attended three or four committees a month. Wow, Fritz. So, wow, yeah. wow, that's, yeah. that's incredible. So you're a bit of a, an experienced uh, person at doing these things now, are you? Uh, rightly or wrongly, I've been given the task of writing most of our committee reports for our yeah, department. Yeah, rightly or wrongly. Especially, <laughs> especially for housing development. Now, thank you for today. I know that we're out on location recording yeah. today, so I appreciate you giving up your time to be mm. on the show today. And I'd really like to kind of dis- dis- discover a bit more about, so aside from all the reports that you do, you talked about anticipating questions. Yeah. Now, is there any tips you can give for people who are running, sort of, maybe sort of they're running sessions, and maybe they're speaking at conferences or speaking at committees, and... One or, sort of one or two tips you can give them to help them anticipate for questions that might be asked. How do you go about doing that? Well, I would always look at the nature of the subject at any pressure points which I can envisage, such as the finance issue, um, why we're delivering this type of accommodation we're, we're proposing, why are we building on that estate. Yeah. Uh, so I would anticipate those. Of course, you never ever are going to anticipate all the questions, no. but you, you can have a, an inkling. And sometimes members do give a warning about questions oh, okay. they, they will ask at committee so that, that you're not wrong-footed. That's good. So do you ever, do you ever get, have to deal with awkward questions? So, for example, something you've not anticipated, and if you do, how do you deal with that situation? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously you have to think on your, your feet. Um, one piece of advice a ex-director gave me, which oh, yes. I've adhered to, okay. is when you're answering a question, just answer the question. Do not get carried away and think you're on a roll and elaborate <laughs> and keep talking and talking. Yeah. Just keep it simple and to the point, especially if you're dealing with someone who could be pretty awkward then you don't want to give them more ammunition to come back to you. So that sounds like a very top tip, a very good top tip there, is that when you're answering the question, answer the question that was asked yeah. and don't get, caught, I guess, caught up in your head in a way yeah. and thinking, well, I'm on a roll here, they're nodding, I'll Precisely. carry on. Is that, and then I guess that's the point at which you've probably hung yourself, have you? Precisely. <laughs> be concise and keep it to the point. That's a good top tip for everyone there. So be concise and keep it to the point. And that would be a good tip for everybody because I think yeah. a lot of people can have a habit of actually maybe running on a little bit and then all of a sudden you've probably gone down a rabbit hole and yeah. you, can't, you can't get out of it. It's easy to get carried away. Very easy, very easy to get carried away and think you're better than you're not. Always, Thank be, you. always be modest and always just answer the question and keep it simple. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. Michael, this is absolutely brilliant. I really appreciate you giving up yeah. your time and your busy schedule, and particularly because you're working on such important mm. projects for the City of London. Um, we're out on location today, and I appreciate you coming out to meet mm. me to, to record this podcast. Now, we've talked a lot about the committee work that you do, and, and it sounds like it's a very high-pressured environment, but you can cope with that, and there's some good tips that you're mm. giving people. But I wonder, just to sort of just touch on briefly, have you ever 
how to sort of attend a session or a committee like that where you haven't had time to prepare? Perhaps you filled in for somebody else? Has that ever happened? Yes, it has. Um, again, I would say you need to keep it simple, especially if you're, the breadth of your knowledge is limited. Yeah. Um, you obviously will pick up the bullet points from the uh, yes. report writer and, and you, would, uh, you would obviously have a inkling as to what the objective of that report okay, is. Yeah. Yeah. But again, if you ask awkward questions and you honestly don't know the answer to them, do not guess. Do not, guess. Do not, <laughs> do not make it up on the hoof. Just be perfectly honest and say, at this point, can I please come back to you? And I will come back to you with, that, with an so, answer. So you, are you saying that the, the words that people might find scary to say is sometimes, I don't know. Is that okay to say I don't know? That's precisely right. And I think some people get hung up on saying they don't know. I'm not one of those people. Lots of people are keen on using acronyms. And, you know, if you don't know what that means... Obviously, when you, you mentioned GLA earlier, yeah. some people won't know what that means. Then you actually say it out in full. <laughs> uh, you, you do not. You do not just make the assumption everyone knows what you're saying. No, it's true. And I, like, I'm, you know, you Mike, Mike, you and I have known each other for a number of years, yeah. and I've, I've actually I've worked with you, and we've been a friend, yeah. friend for many years. And I, I've seen you, I've seen you speak at committee, and also I know from experience that. Um, not everybody is happy about having to, to, to do that role, are they? Because it is quite high pressure, isn't it? But I guess what, what you're saying is, is that as long as you answer the questions that are being asked, do as much preparation as you can do beforehand if you're, if you're able to, and actually sometimes where you may not be fully prepared or you maybe get, get a curveball question, say you don't know and, and invite them that you'll come back to them another time with the answer. Uh, precisely, David. And I think one of the key things as well is you have to appreciate that a lot of the members won't have the time or the inclination to read the committee reports. So what you, you should do when you present them is give a quick overview and summary and actually say why you're recommending the course of action yeah. to a committee and why you think the committee members should approve your course of action. Thank you. And I think this is really important because we're we specifically talking about committees. This will work for people who are talking at conferences, they're running workshops or training sessions, won't it? Because they'll get people to ask them questions that they may not necessarily know the answer to, but your strategy there, the three tips about, uh, will actually help them in all of those circumstances, including committees. I would hope so. I'd hope so. And Thank also, you. If you, also, if you've got a sense of humour... <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. You have to do it in the right place. Well, eat, OK, yeah, OK. You have okay. to be very careful. But a sense of humour, hmm. a slight joke... <laughs> It never ever fails. Everything's done in the right in the circumstances. Right way. So what, I guess what you're saying that you can't go straight in and give them that. Why does a chicken cross the road joke? It has to be no, in the right place. No, I, I mean this was not a committee meeting I was at the other night. But oh, I was okay. at a residential meeting in an estate where we're yep. proposing to build new houses, and uh, obviously the existing residents don't particularly want us to build on their estate. They have their own houses. Yeah, yeah. They don't want the noise and the disturbance. No, understandable. So I used the analogy of the elves and the shoemaker. Elves and the shoemaker. Uh, uh, I said, oh, I can't get a developer to come in and deliver the houses without any noise and disruption. There will be noise and disruption. I can't magic the elves and the shoemaker scenario where the shoemaker had elves come in and make his shoes in the middle of the night. Wow. I can't do that. But 
there could be advantages for you. And I want them down here to get you on site and what would be advantageous for you for development on the estate. See, what you're doing there is that you're incorporating your skills of storytelling yeah. and and by using a metaphor, yeah. connects with the, with the people you're talking to in a different way that they can see your point, but understand it from a different angle. Is that right? Of course, of course. It's yes. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. I'm going to remember that one and probably yeah, steal yeah, that yeah, idea, yeah. Michael. Thank yeah, you very yeah. much. Another question for you, Michael, is that I know that I've experienced yeah. or benefited a lot from people giving me feedback. In, in what you do and in terms of the senior, you've got a very senior role where you are, do you ever ask people for feedback? To be honest, David, I don't. The reason for that being is that it sounds as if I'm searching for praise, etc. Okay, okay, okay. I'm a fairly modest person. Yeah. But occasionally I get feedback, so okay. from directors think if meetings have gone well, yeah, oh, they'll ping me an email and say that was good, mm. da da, you diffused a difficult situation yeah. or whatever. That's so, really yeah. good. Michael, thank you so much for giving up your time today. I really appreciate it. I know mm -hmm. the listeners are getting some great top tips from you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk, turn the angle a little bit and talk specifically about presentations if I can. Okay. Now, I know that you've, uh, you're always keen to learn, keep learning and expanding your skills. Yeah. You recently uh, have been attending a presentation skills course. Yeah. Um, can you tell us if you've kind of any kind of hot off the press learnings that you've got from that that you can share with us? Maybe one or two. Uh, it is your movement, and movement. Your, yeah, okay. your hands and you know and also to look at the audience do not if you're doing a presentation a PowerPoint presentation do not stare at the PowerPoint look at the audience you should know what's on the screen you don't need to look at it so yeah. you should actually know what's on the screen good point just good a point. quick look at it do not stare at the screen and yeah. away from the audience. Yeah. Always look at the audience and look one or two individuals in the eye and see how they're responding to. Here's one for you, Michael, and our listeners. How many presentations have you attended at work where they've got a slide up with lots of bullet points and they've essentially got their back to you and they're reading from the slide? Yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. And it, it sends me cold as well <laughs> it because does it, yeah. I, I, not that I'm very good at preparing PowerPoint, but yeah. even if yeah. I was a, an expert at it, I think I'd limit it. You just need one or two bullet points and then you expand on them. Okay, people yeah, people yeah. do not want to have a, a presenter just reading from the screen. So what you're saying there is eye contact is very important. It is. They can read the slides for themselves and you should expand on that with your words. So movement, what, what you mentioned movement. Tell us a bit about that. I think you need to keep your hands reasonably still. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying don't move them because if you've got a, a key point to make, some of the key politicians use their hands in a certain way. But you've got they to. Do, they you've do. got to. You've got to keep reasonably still, or that could be distracting. Do you believe that being able to communicate your ideas in the workplace is important? Is it an important skill to have? Oh, it definitely is because you know I can't deliver properties on my own. I need the support and buy-in of my colleagues. Yeah. I need to say to them why we're doing it and what we're doing and the strategy to yeah. get approval for what we're doing. Yeah. Um, if you're talking about development on an estate, another mm. tip would be to look at what you can offer the existing tenants, okay, yeah. what we would do with our existing housing tenants who rent yeah. their properties yeah. is have a local lettings plan. Yeah. So the existing tenants on the estate could benefit from property if yeah. they've got mobility problems, if they need a new fit 
for purpose property. Yeah. So there are items that you can do. Communication can also be in forms of written communication, can't it? So I guess the ability to be able to both communicate um, from, from talking to somebody as well as actually being able to e communicate in an effective way in terms of emails or written context is both a good skill to have, isn't it? It's both kind of mediums, if you like, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, yeah. it should be followed up. And also, if you're, if you're communicating about a project, you need to continue to communicate all the way through. Yeah. You do not have one consultation and disappear off the planet. <laughs> You've got to be in it for the long haul. Good point in that. Just because you've emailed somebody something yeah. Yeah. about your project, it, you can't assume that that is all you need to do, no. is it? you've got to continue the communication for yeah. the life, lifespan of the project. Good top tip there. For any, if there's any project managers listening, that's a, an, an absolute top tip there. For anyone who's looking to deliver a work presentation, mm -hmm. what is one top tip you've got for preparing the content? What should they do? They should actually um, scattergun their ideas on a piece of paper. Like it, yeah. And then decide what they want to achieve. Yeah. And then write down the benefits for and the disadvantages of the, any proposal. Thank you. You need to, you need to structure it. Yeah. Uh, it will take about half an hour to structure okay. it. Yeah. Um, and then once you've done that, you can be fairly confident. And if you've got key bullet points in your head, yeah. hopefully you'll be able to deliver the talk about... Brilliant. ...talk resorting to a scrap of paper, <laughs> um, which is always off-putting. Thank you. And top tip for actual in the room you're delivering the presentation i know you've touched on eye contact and movement do you have one other gem perhaps to share yeah i mean i i, I mentioned humor and i think that's key because you need to yes. get that you need to get the audience on your side and you need to actually say you know you're ordinary person and why you're here and what you're you're delivering thank you yeah and and try to disarm if possible any latent hostility that would be in the room. <laughs> thank you very much Michael, when people think about delivering presentations at work, public speaking or speaking at committee, they can sometimes get quite nervous about it. Yeah. And we can kind of think all sorts of things are going to happen. Is there anything that people think will happen when they're delivering presentations at work or public speaking or in committees, but actually never happens? Yeah, I, I'm always um, anxious that I will stumble on my words or I won't be able to pronounce something. Um, no, it, it seems to be fine. Um, so, I key thing is to slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Do not, because uh, tendency to talk fast if you're anxious and try to get the questions, answers to questions over with quickly. Yeah. Take your time. You can also use that time to think, yeah. which is the key thing, rather than just blurting something out and saying, talking without thinking about what you're saying. Take your time to oh. answer a question. So, the myth buster is. Don't feel like you've got to rush through it to get it over with. Actually, no. that's the worst thing to do. It absolutely is, because you can then fall into the trap <laughs> of saying something which you, you re regret, and then you've got to <laughs> dig, dig yourself out of a big hole. <laughs> Thank you very much. With all your experience that you've got, you know, as I say, I've worked with you, you've got a wealth of experience behind you. If there was one thing that you could share with yourself all those years ago when you started your career, something you know now that you'd share with yourself when you started out, what would that be? I think just to realise that the people at the other side, the members, the uh, aldermen, uh, 
distinguished guests are just ordinary people like yeah, yourself. That's good. Do yeah. not be intimidated. Okay. And actually, just say, oh, be respectful, of course. Yeah. But don't be intimidated and just answer them as though you would answer that's a really fellow, good advice. fellow colleague. Michael, this has been brilliant today. Thank you so much for your time. I know our listeners will get a lot of value out of what you've said. There's some great top tips there. And I guess all that's left for me to say is, if people would like to find out a little bit more about what you do, interested in all those projects that you're managing, is there a way that they can sort of get in touch, perhaps? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, so if they want to get in contact with me, they can. Great, I'll add your LinkedIn details onto the, onto the post, onto the podcast yeah. post. Michael, I hope you've enjoyed the interview as much yeah. as I have. Okay, thank you, Thank David. you so much for coming down here today, out on location. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Speak to you next week. Bye. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit me at davidalamari.com. <laughs>